if you imagine your wealth as something separate to yourself as a big lake and in that lake, you know, it holds the water like a dam and you can have rivers running into that lake to fill it up and make it bigger. Your business may be one river coming into that wealth lake. Dividends may be another river coming into the wealth lake. Positive cash flow property investments or flipping properties, even capital gains on you know different asset classes might be flowing into that wealth lake. And then from there, that lake should continue to grow. So it's, it's deciding if you, what do you want to be active in, in your business? And that can change because for a lot of my life, I've spent my time being active in marketing and growing my business. Whereas in the last few years, I still have been active, but I've spent a lot more time in being more actively choosing and thinking about my investments is really important for you to learn because I have index funds. They're amazing. And shares, I've got individual shares as well. They're amazing. Some are dividends, some aren't. Different strategies, some are income investing, some are growth. But the the key thing about what I love about the share market is it can be far more of a set and forget. I don't play the the share trading because I don't want to actively run a business where I'm every day checking my stuff. I don't want to share actively trade crypto. I get enough headaches just from seeing like in a month that a stock price has gone up and down. I want to be able to buy, hold, and leave it. The assets that you've spent so long building like your business and you know the income and the flow from your business, you want to put that to good use and make sure that it's well looked after. Hello and welcome to another episode of Entrepreneurs Rising. I am Carl Taylor and I'm joined by the incredibly handsome Peter Moriarty. And uh, this is the show where we are striving to help rise the tide to lift all boats so that other entrepreneurs around us can continue to learn from our own experiences and grow their own business. And in this episode in particular, to grow their wealth and start to move up that ladder from self-employed to manager to leader, to investor. And that's what this episode is about. We're talking about investments. We're sharing a little bit of our own investment journeys. What were some of those initial investments? And we share, obviously, our own experience. This is not individual financial advice. We are not financial advisors. We are only speaking speculative around our own experiences of what we've done uh, and what we know is out there in our own research. Please, if you're going to invest any kind of money, large amounts or even small amounts. Do your own research, talk to your advisors, your accountants, your financial planners, the people around you, make your own decisions. Please don't just go, oh, they said they're in this thing, so I'm going to go and look at that. Look at it by all means, make your own decision whether it's right for you. So Pete, what did you love most about this episode? Look, I think sharing our journeys in in where we got to and sharing that you know we're not perfect with our investing. Plenty of people are happy to share their wins but not happy, not happy to share the things that didn't go so well. So we've shared a few of those, let's say, maybe pitfalls to avoid. But also I think you know we have a unique perspective in it that we've built successful businesses, but we've also built investment portfolios as well. And you know, there's many successful business owners who haven't built wealth. And there's many people who've built wealth that you know, don't have the flexibility or the leverage of having a business. And I think the combination of the two can really, really supercharge the lifestyle and the impact of someone in business. So to the listener, get strapped in. This is going to be a great conversation and we look forward to having you on the journey. Enjoy. You and I, Pete, we have both been on 
a journey as we've covered numerous times in numerous episodes through the entrepreneurial world. And I personally believe I've got this model, I've referenced it before about, you know, operator of the business and then there's switching into the owner. And so your operator is about being, you know, self-employed then eventually become a manager because you're managing people. And that's where a lot of people get stuck. And then when they finally shift into owner of the business, that's when they're leading the business. And then the next step up is where you become an investor, an investor of your own business, but also an investor across multiple assets. You start seeing the whole world almost like investing. And we previously did an episode, uh, I don't remember what number it was, but we talked about lessons from cash flow, playing the board game cash flow. So if you haven't heard that, that's a great episode to go and check out as well. But today, I really thought it'd be great because we, while we both have invested in similar ways, we've also invested differently. And I would just love to kind of go through a bunch of different pros and cons because you've got things like shares, you've got other companies, you've got your own company, you've got property, uh, you've got commodities, you've got gold and silver, you've got cryptocurrencies, you've got dividend investing, you've got growth investing, you've got commercial property, you've got residential property. There's so much stuff. You've got options, all these different crazy things, right? So Pete, let's start off your investing journey, not your entrepreneurial journey. What was the very first investment that wasn't your own business that you made? So I bought a property when I was 20 which is a residential property. And my grandparents had been investing in a certain country town in New South Wales for a long time. And I uh, was seeing good growth there and owned some commercial property there. It's not really a country town, let's say uh, a regional center. And yeah, I bought a property there and, and I still have that property and it's in my personal name, which is ridiculous, but I didn't know any better at 20. And now basically it's generating positive cash flow and you know, pretty standard Australian investment, right? You know, buy a property, put tenants in it, and make a little bit of money there. But it really wasn't well, until about- is that really the standard? Isn't the standard Australian? Like, let's buy a property and lose money on it so we can claim tax. Isn't that the standard? Yes, that's true. <laughs> or put all of your money in a primary place of residence and have that as the main asset. I, sorry, that's yes, that's probably the standard. <laughs> so I, I would be an outlier. <laughs> and I knew I was an outlier buying a property at twenty. That was definitely the case. But I, I mean, in terms of a non-primary place of residence, you know, investment property, it's pretty cut standard. There's no op fancy options agreements. I didn't buy it through a broker under market or anything like that. It was just like on the market. I went and bought it. And now it's making money. It's positively geared. Right. Pretty. Yeah. But I didn't really think about growing my wealth until about three years ago. And, and you know, a couple of things kind of happened around that time. I ticked my box income-wise and I'd I'd made enough income in the business and I had this recurring income set up from the business where that I had all of my basic needs met and then, you know, extra for more. And I bought all the toys that I wanted to buy within reason. Like I haven't gone and bought Lambos yet or anything like that. But, you know, I, I, I had car and jet ski and motorbike and, you know, the ability to travel multiple times a year internationally and, you know, like enough thing, enough where things were set up. Yeah. And a couple of things happened. One was I had this extra leftover and I didn't have many acquisition deals on the table in the business. And I also kind of knew that I didn't want to keep all my money in the business. And a mentor also said to me at the time, Dale Beaumont said, hey, Pete, you've really got to take some off the table as well because your business is really successful now, but all kinds of things can happen and it might not be successful you know, forever, even though exactly. it's you know, a very resilient, robust business. And so I decided to start researching. You know, I spent about a year researching, investing in courses and mentors and learning and learning and learning and learning and plenty of time on Reddit forums and the financial independence retire early community, you know, and having 
read the cash flow quadrant and played the game of cash flow and played plenty of Monopoly and other games. Like, you know, I had a good idea of how to, you know, the make concept. money and kind of well, I kind of I know how to turn money into more money. I'm really yep. good at that, right? But what I didn't know were what, what are the fundamental concepts of actually building wealth. And one of my mentors, his name is Kelvin Davis, and he's got three really great books on building wealth. One of his concepts that I learned from him was building a wealth lake. And if you imagine your wealth as something separate to yourself as a big lake, and in that lake, you know, it holds the water like a dam, and you can have rivers running into that lake to fill it up and make it bigger. And so your business may be one river coming into that wealth lake. Dividends may be another river coming into the wealth lake. Positive cash flow property investments or flipping properties, even capital gains on you know different asset classes might be flowing into that wealth lake. And then from there, that lake should continue to grow. And so that lake is not income, obviously. Uh, you know, If you're taking income out of that lake, then it's basically like putting a hole in the dam wall. And if there's more water going out of the dam wall than there is coming in from the streams into the lake, then it's going to shrink, right? This is very basic stuff, but something that I hadn't thought about. And so that, yeah, I guess really put me on a journey about thinking about, okay, you know, I want to build this asset. I want to build this wealth. Like I'd spent all the time building a great income. And at the time I had plenty of extra cash per year that I wanted to invest. But, you know, what most people do is they go straight to something like Bitcoin or trying to pick the next hot stock. And I learned along my journey that they are, you know, they're the worst things that you can do when you start investing in the early days. Mm, interesting. There's a lot I like there. And it's I'd not heard that lake analogy. You've never shared it with me. I do like it. It's a nice way of thinking of it, the different rivers. You know, the analogy that I that really I learned was the idea of your financial freedom fund. And we we talked about this much earlier episode. We talked about managing money. I can't remember what we called that episode, but there's one all about managing money. And this was from a person called T. Harvecker, is who I learned it from. And the idea of your financial freedom fund, thinking of it as your golden goose, and you never kill the golden goose. You live off the eggs. And so in your analogy there, right, like the eggs, you kind of feed the egg back to the golden goose. So the lake is the golden goose. And then it lays eggs, which you can either spend or when you're in accumulation phase, you then take that egg, you feed it back to the golden goose so it can get bigger and lay bigger eggs. But I like how it allows as well, like the feeders with the rivers from your business, from other cash flow, from the outside of the golden goose itself. Uh, that's a really cool analogy. It's interesting. My very first investment was a managed fund. I think I was maybe, I might've been 20 as well, similar age. I didn't know anything. I just had started to learn that, yeah, I want to build some wealth and shares and stuff. And there was a financial advisor and they said, hey, go into this MLC fund. And I just started paying their commission as well as my earnings. And I ended up selling that. I killed the golden goose. This is before I knew you never killed the golden goose. I killed the golden goose, but I did invest that money into an education course. So I sold those shares. It wasn't a huge amount of money back then, maybe six grand or something, but I sold that so I could go to a course in the US in Las Vegas, which then led to my next big investment because I learned at that seminar all about the idea of creating what he, Brad Sugar has referred to as a wealth wheel. The idea of you have a business in the center. If you think of a wheel, right, got different spokes. In the center, you've got a business and it's providing the cash flow for you to then go and buy properties. You buy multiple cash flow producing properties as well. So that cash flow produces and flows in with the business. And then you get a capital growth property as well. So you end up with four cash producing properties, a business in the center producing income, and then you've got a 
kind of a, a capital growth specific property. This is his strategy. I personally don't do this, but this was his strategy. And then he's like, once you've built one wheel, you then go and do again. You go and buy another business or you build another business, produces the cash flow, and you just keep creating these wealth wheels. So I came home and decided to invest some money and buy a business, buy another business. I already had one, but I, this is when I bought my gift basket business with the sole purpose of it purely being an investment, that I was building it to sell. I wasn't going to build it to be my cash flow for a wealth wheel. I wasn't ready for that, but I was going to build it to sell. And so that was kind of my introductory journey to investing. But it wasn't until maybe similar to you, you said like three years ago, about call three years ago, I went to a seminar and I got to the seminar early. It was this in San Diego. I was a bit there, a bit early. No one I knew was there yet. So I decided to download a book on my Kindle and read it. And I decided to buy Tony Robbins' book, Unshakable. And I'd thought about investing in shares again for a while. But maybe like others listening, you kind of sit on the sidelines and go, oh, I'll just keep the money in the bank. Just keep the money in the bank. The best thing, the book Unshakable, go and get it. The best thing he teaches you is he points out how leaving your money in the bank, you are basically losing money. Like a lot of people are like, I don't want to lose money. I don't want to lose money. Leaving your money in right the now. bank is losing money to what we call inflation. Every year, yeah. that money is getting worth less and less and less. So you at least invest, and he was pitching to invest into index funds. And he was saying, if you at least invest into an index fund, you're at least going to keep up with inflation, if not do better, as opposed mm. to leaving your money in the bank. And you got to remember in the US at the time, I think a lot of their banks had almost negative interest rates, meaning you paid money to leave your money in the bank. A bit different to us in Australia, but we're headed that way. So that was the biggest thing that made me go, oh, I need to get off the sidelines. I just need to get in. I just need to start buying something. And so I got into index funds. That was my big, my beginning step into investing. Mm. So it's so fascinating. I really agree with what Dale said to you. And I think a lot of business owners need to remember this. It's very easy. And I, I'm not talking about just people who don't, who are just in the beginning of their journey. I know people who make tens of millions of dollars in their business, that their belief, and it's their belief, is that the best investment they can make is back into their own business. Mm. Now, I do agree with that to a point. But if you continue to invest into that one single point of failure of your business, rather than take them out, put them into diversification of other assets, like you just, in my opinion, you're asking for trouble. Something's going to happen. Not every industry booms forever as COVID has proven. I'm really glad that you mentioned that because I think it's a nice segue into, you know, talking about different asset classes and, you know, different investment strategies and a reminder that we're not advisors. You know, like if your business is your only, you know, source of income and only source of wealth as well, and you're reinvesting it, you know, all back into the business, Effectively, if I go back to the wealth lake and the stream analogy, uh, you know, you've just got one stream. You're living on that stream, and if that stream happens to dry up, like you're up shit creek, then <laughs> turns into no a creek. creek. <laughs> uh, so, you know, like I for many years, you know, I did that. I reinvested back into the business, and I think for me, it's important to understand the numbers, uh, and it's important to have a strategy and a goal around this as well. Now, we've played enough rounds of Kiyosaki's cash flow board game to know. The different assets will have different returns on investment. And, you know, it's very basic to do the numbers in real life as well. And when you play enough of the game, you just naturally find yourself doing these numbers in real life. You know, if you go and put money in index funds, if you buy a conservative index, it might be five or seven or 10% per annum return. If you are interested in property, 
and you're getting uh, you know a decent yield on a property, it'll be maybe somewhere between eight and twelve percent. And if you factor in capital gains, you might be getting fifteen percent or twenty percent compounding per annum. You know, depending on the location it is. There's so many variables with property; it's you know a bit hard to say with that. I've found in my experience, and these are this is speaking from my experience, right? I'm, I'm not an accountant, so I can't tell you what the exact industry averages are. You know, from my experience, there's been when I invest in my business and you know whether it's into an acquisition or into a marketing spend that's going to you know have a return it's typically a minimum of 20 to 40% return on investment per annum compounding on the money in, inside my business now obviously much higher risk but higher return is coming back as well now what i see in many of my friends unfortunately is and particularly those who you know have salaries is they have their savings sitting in cash, which is basically minus percent per year because inflation is eating it. We're very close to you know negative interest rates in Australia at the moment. So you may actually have to start paying to have your money in the bank. But what people do is they go straight into the highest risk asset classes, quote unquote, investing in crypto or putting money in a single stock on a stock market. Oh, now, your stock, returns yeah. may be 60 or 80% per annum, right? Super high return. But they're even riskier, in my opinion, than putting money into a business. You know, people have, unfortunately, they have these like so much shame is tied up with it as well of bad experiences that they don't talk about. They only ever talk about their wins. They don't talk about, you know, when they put 20000 in one stock. And, and I did it. I put $50,000 in one stock. That was one of my first investments with the first big chunk of change that I had four or five years ago. Guess what? It fucking halved. That's how you make 25 grand. You invest 50 <laughs> grand in a stock and have it half. <laughs> Yeah. And and you know and that sucked for years and years. I mean it eventually, you know, after waiting 3 4 years, it comes back. It regained, but you know, I learned and my fingers were burnt there. And what I realized was shit, I don't really know what the hell I'm doing here. And since then have put most of my money into, you know, index funds, but then learned about what all of the actual financial advisors say about diversified portfolios and that you might only have 3 or 5 or 10% of your portfolio in the very speculative bets. That's basically your gambling money effectively. And yet for me, I still want to keep, you know, probably 50 or 60% of the spare dollars that I have in the business, reinvesting back into the business. That is a golden goose, but there has to be wealth outside the business as well, which I've been building for a number of years. And that's thankfully now starting to build, you know, build up to be quite significant. Yeah. I think it's about understanding, and we've all mostly heard it, someone, even if it was our friend or a speaker or a book has talked about the idea of multiple income streams. And there are different ways to do multiple income streams as well. Like you can have multiple income streams within your business. I think we've maybe touched on this in previous episodes. Like one of my biggest passive income earners is affiliate commissions, right? Like this is an income stream that comes into my business that does not link to time spent by me or a team member. It's just revenue that comes in continually. That is another income stream separate from the general activity of the business. And so therefore that is quite a powerful income stream. Similarly, like investments, you can invest in shares that are pay no dividend. I mean, if you want to invest in things like Facebook and Google and all the big, like you know, what they call FANG and of many on the NASDAQ, even in the tech space, they don't pay dividends. You know, in fact, traditionally, the whole idea of owning a company was that you were investing in this company as a shareholder and then dividends, dividends is a distribution of profit that you as the shareholder would earn some profit. That's in the, the last, 
<laughs> yeah, the last probably 20 years in the share market, and it's expanded dramatically more in the last 10 years, the share market has dramatically shifted to, it's all about growth, 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 big, 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 cutting dividends, less dividends, reinvesting back into the business that even the companies you're investing in are doing that. And it's produced amazing growth returns. But remember, the return on any investment and loss is only ever realized at the time that you sell. When you enter your position, your investment, yes, you put in money, the, the loss or the gain, like your $25,000 loss, it was only a paper loss. It didn't eventuate because you didn't choose to sell and to realize that loss. And it's the same thing. You've invested in a Facebook or a Tesla and they've gone through the roof and you're cheering or you're in crypto and you're cheering yourself, yeah, to the moon. But if you then stay and it drops dramatically or it dies, I mean, I've invested in a lot of crypto personally. Um, some of them have turned out to be incredible returns, you know, thousands of percents and others have ended up being negative returns. So I, I, definitely everyone should do their own research when it comes to things like crypto. And But it's understanding income. It's what is the income? Because you buying that Facebook stock or that crypto asset and it grows only becomes income once you sell it and you realize the gain, unless it is producing some sort of of dividend in cryptocurrency. It could be staking. You can stake certain cryptos, which is a way of earning more of that coin. That is a form of dividend and income. Whereas you know, in the share market, you're looking for dividends. And that's a different style of investing over growth. I really think about the cash flow quadrant of Kiyosaki when we're talking about this, and that is to invest in cash flow producing assets assets income producing assets and you know a stock that doesn't pay dividends is really just a security it's not really an asset you know because that could go down it could completely disappear if the company you know particularly in startups now probably not if it's facebook or apple or google but in more early stage more speculative businesses that you might be investing in but their share price could halve the share price could also halve. And, you know, there's, I guess that's the difference between, you know, value investing and cash flow investing. And, you know, Carl, I, I really appreciate as we've chatted over the years, you've shared with me, you know, why dividends are so important to you in the stocks that you've picked is because you actually want the cash flow to be generated. And they are basically the eggs that the golden goose is laying. You want to make sure that there's some eggs flowing. So you can either, you know, you may choose to take them off the table or you feed them back to the goose and it, and it gets bigger. And you can obviously choose to reinvest your dividends in some of these stocks, depending on what share platform that you're using. You know, but I, I think about the same thing when I'm buying a business or you know when i'm getting involved in a project and it's going to you know uh, have some kind of financial outlay for me it's what's the return on investment and when is that coming and how much effort is going to be required for that and you know and then what are my likely returns going to be what's the risk profile and what are my likely returns going to be now mm. when i think about investing in different asset classes for me convenience really comes into it i know that property can have tremendous upside in capital growth. I know that property can be excellent for uh, leverage as well, right? I also know that property takes a shitload of paperwork to get it all done. And it takes research and it takes time. And it is quite a competitive market, particularly in Australia, where the property market is so hot and there's so many buyers, both local and international. Now, if I've got $100,000 lying around, I can put that in an index fund in about 30 seconds and then just leave it. And damn, that suits me well, because I don't really have an interest in doing all of the research and the other bits and pieces of actually you know, getting into the depths of another investment. I know that my time is worth probably $5,000 an hour. And so for the additional upside that I might get of doing property deals, because they don't personally interest me that much, I'd rather just park my money in index funds. So I find that most of my money goes there. However, 
One of the downsides of index funds is they're not able to be used for much leverage. You can't loan against you can't you know loan against them as collateral to you know get larger loans that exceed the amount that's actually held in funds because they're just again securities. They're not actually uh, you know tangible assets. And so the challenge with that is that if I want to borrow more money for my fund for my business investing fund, then I actually need to have property. So I'm kind of like forced to pick up a couple of properties, which I'm a little bit annoyed about, to then you know, use that as security for leverage for more business investing activities. But you know, I've got plenty of friends that ask me like, oh, what cryptos are you invested in? And, and those kind of questions. And you know, my, my focus is actually just on continuing to build my businesses. I know that that is my skill in terms of generating more value. So I'm going to put my energy where my skill is. And for anything else investing-wise, because I just don't have the energy or the time or the interest to be doing the research required to be successful. And you know, if you want to be successful in crypto, great. Spend 10 hours a week researching it and become an expert, and then you'll be able to be successful. Awesome. That's great for you. If you want to be successful in picking single stocks on the Australian Securities Exchange, then great. Spend 10 hours a week researching the share market and learning. I've got a friend of mine who's a great stock picker and who's done really well and spends hours and hours and hours and hours every week actually researching it. For me, I spend hours a week in my business. And for many business owners, you know, you might be in a similar boat. So I, you know, I urge you to consider what you actually have the time and interest to pursue to build your competency so that you can build solid rivers coming into your wealth lake, not have anything go wrong and lose out because no one wants to have that happen. I love this. And, and I think what we're really talking about here is picking what your business is, right? Is your business share trading? Like, are you going to be an active trader? And therefore, what you're really talking about is, well, you're building a business. Whether you're a sole trader or however you, you're structured legally is irrelevant. You're effectively going, I'm running a business. My activity that generates income is mm. from buying and selling shares. Are you a renovator of properties? Well, what you're really doing is I'm starting a business that buys properties, renovates them, and then sells them. Or am I a property manager? Maybe you're buying property, you're doing the research, you're effectively like a buyer's agent for yourself, going out there, finding properties, buying it and putting it on rental. Maybe you manage it yourself or maybe you engage a rental company at some point. But once you've got enough properties, it'll probably become more financially making sense for you to run your own management and you effectively become a company. Or are you a property developer? Are you a crypto manager? So it's, it's deciding if you, what do you want to be active in, in your business? And that can change because for a lot of my life, I've spent my time being active in marketing and growing my business. Whereas in the last few years, I still have been active, but I've spent a lot more time in being more actively choosing and thinking about my investments. And the pros and cons that Pete shared around the different ones is really important for you to learn because I have index funds. They're amazing. And shares, I've got individual shares as well. They're amazing. Some are dividends, some aren't. Different strategies. Some are income investing, some are growth. But the, the key thing about what I love about the share market is it can be far more of a set and forget. I don't play the, the share trading because I don't want to actively run a business where I'm every day checking my stuff. I don't want to share actively trade crypto. I get enough headaches just from seeing like in a month that a stock price has gone up and down. I want to be able to buy, hold, and leave it. And that's really quite good. If you're active in your business and that's where you're, even if you're not, you know, you're still very much the time for money part in your business. If you're generating enough cash flow to be able to put some away and go, cool, buy, hold, 
buy, hold. I'm playing the long-term game because that's the trick in all investment is the long-term game, time in the market, whether that be the property market, whether that be the share market, whether that be the crypto market. And so it's time in the market and doing your research. What are you going to be the expert in? And then you start to diversify further. So you go, okay, I'm going to put stuff in shares. It's great. But property can also be passive. Again, depends on where you're up to, but you can choose to get buyer's agents who will go out and do the research. I personally do not want to be an expert in... I've spent 20 years becoming an expert in business and psychology. That sets me up to understand the share market because what is the share market? The share market is psychology of human psychology. When people are fearful, the price is going down. When people are greedy, the price is going up. And so understanding the the factors that influence them. And it also then is business fundamentals. Is this a good business? Is it making money? They're the two things that really drive the share market. So if you're good at marketing and you're good at managing money in your business in your own business, you can manage and understand the share market once you understand how to read their financials and, and understand the mechanics. Same with the crypto. I happen to be a techie, just like Pete. I'm an old coder from way back. I was in the early days of the internet doing you know, all sorts of things. So a lot of the people who created cryptocurrency, they were kind of my people if I'd stayed on that path. So I understand the technology behind cryptocurrency. I don't just look at it as a purely speculative asset. I see the power of the technology. And so I make my decisions based on the tech, as well as a little bit of fear and greed index. What do I think is happening in the market? So that's how that works. Whereas property... I understand in general how to make money in property. I understand the idea, but I could not tell you whether that house down the street is worth overvalued or undervalued. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you if this suburb's about to be a boom, wouldn't have a clue. And I personally don't care and don't want to know. But what I can do is engage people who do have that expertise, who do care. They can do the research. They can do the things. And it is a bit more risky when you do it that way because you're not in control, which goes back to something Pete said that I think is also important. One of the key reasons I think many people choose to keep reinvesting in their own business is they feel in control. Mm. You have more control over your own business than maybe you do over that share that you buy in Coca-Cola or whatever company it might be, or that cryptocurrency that you don't mine and you don't touch, or that property that you know, you've just got someone else to buy for you. There's a lack of control. And mm. it's about getting comfortable with your risk, diversification. But if you take nothing from what we've talked about in this episode... Don't let all your money sit in the one place. Have multiple lake. What was it? Rivers into the rivers lake. It's coming into your lake. Yeah. And make sure they don't turn into creeks. I think that's, that's a good place to leave it, Carl. And this has been such a rich discussion. As a reminder, as we said, we will say as we introduced the episode, this is not financial advice. This is not investing advice. Check with your advisors and do your own research and jump into the communities and, you know, learn and, and go slow with this journey, you know, because the assets that you've spent so long building, like your business and, you know, the income and the flow from your business, you want to put that to good use and make sure that it's well looked after. If something seems risky, it's probably not the best place to start. You know, a very low portion of your funds should be going to the risky things. Well, actually, you should do what you like. <laughs> can I, can, well, can but, I add to that? Yeah. If it seems risky, it's probably quite scary. And But if something seems too good to be true, if that's not setting off alarm bells, that that's probably risky. There are opportunities that are incredible. Don't get me wrong. But if something just seems perfect, like there's no downsides, it probably just means you haven't done enough research to to understand what the downsides are. To understand all, all of the different levels. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. If you're interested in checking out other shows in this series, head along to rising.show. We can see the back catalog. And if you haven't already left us a review, we would really love that. But most importantly, if you haven't yet, 
please share this with someone else. If there's someone who you think this would be useful to listen to, if you know another business owner and you've had chats to them about where you put your money or how you're investing, then they might like this episode. So we'd really love for you to share it or share one of your other favorite episodes with someone who you think might benefit from this content. Well, that's a wrap, I think. Happy investing. Do your own research. (laughs) Have a good one. Bye. Bye.